0: You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm
1: Sarah Golseth.
0: It is Friday, which means it is. This is kind of a new segment it here is new on the Coffee thing. Hour. Kind of excited. I today. like
1: new things. Bye. New
0: things. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Someone uh, something is far new. Far too excited the, about this too. <laughs> so Lutheran Witness new managing editor. Yes, Reverend Roy Askins, which
1: we haven't had on yet.
0: This is true.
1: We're going to have to. Thanks for fix the reminder. That.
0: Yes. So, Pastor Roy. Askins. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be on the coffee hour, brother. Um, <laughs> so, perhaps you've been thumbing through your February issue or you've looked through previous issues of the Lutheran Witness and you get near the back. It's just like what? A couple pages from the, the, uh, the end of the Lutheran Witness each month, searching the scriptures. There's a Bible study in the Lutheran Witness each month.
1: There is. Just ahead of the notices, which I know is everyone's favorite section. <laughs> you got to get through the Bible study first, though.
0: Some of us do like to read the I notices. I like the notices. I know. I'm not oh, okay. kidding. <laughs> so in the, in the back of the every month's so issue, every issue,
1: which churches are celebrating like a 150 year anniversary? It's true. That's awesome. It's really I like exciting. It. Okay. We're not talking about notices, though. Sorry. So this month, we're,
0: we're going <laughs> to dig into confounding words from Acts chapter 9 with Pastor Peter Ill of Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstead, Illinois. Pastor Ill, thanks so much for joining us on the Coffee Hour.
2: So glad to get to be here. Happy Friday.
0: Uh, happy Friday. And, and thanks for joining us for the inaugural yes. uh, study of uh, the Searching the Scriptures on the Coffee Hour from the Lutheran Witness. It's kind of fun. It should be fun. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin also for supporting the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. What Life
2: a great uncommon. place to get to graduate from.
1: <laughs> he hasn't been on a Coffee Hour
2: segment, has this he? This is true. Not recently. No. So, no. Yeah. I graduated from there a long time ago.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. We are in a long time ago. I like how he said that.
2: Yeah. Many well. years ago.
0: Well, we're going to dig into God's word. Acts chapter 9 is what we're studying today, is that right?
2: Uh, Yes, Acts chapter (laughs)
0: 9. Confounding words. Uh, This is on page 25, by the way, in the February issue of The Lutheran Witness, um, which should be in your mailbox on your coffee table by now.
2: Hopefully, yeah. Should have have gotten there a couple days ago. Yeah. So go check the mail.
0: Should be there, unless you live really far away, and then it might not have gotten there yet, but it should be there today. Indeed. Today. Indeed. All right. Acts chapter nine. Uh, so give us some background on these confounding words, Pastor. What do you mean by confounding words?
2: So when God speaks to his people, uh, sometimes you end up hearing God's word and going, huh? <laughs> and, and that's exactly where uh, this lands. When you get, you hear from God things that you really don't expect. And you think, wait, I was pretty sure I knew where this train was going. And now I don't. So so what do I do now? Uh, And that's really the spirit of this is when uh, when Paul Saul is converted uh, later, he's going to become Paul. Uh, This is not at all what anybody expects. And and you kind of want to throw your hands in the air and say, wait. Paul didn't. Or Saul didn't expect this. I don't expect this. When God speaks to me, he seems to speak in unexpected ways, and we get a little bit confounded and confused, and, and that happens to us today uh, just as much as it happened for Saul when he was called by Jesus into the church and when he began to, uh, to preach and to teach.
0: All right, let's dig into the text, because this is compressed Bible study in, uh, in <laughs> under half an hour. Uh, what are we going to look at first?
2: First, we get to talk about Acts uh, chapter 9. This whole study is uh, from Acts chapter 9, and we get to start with the first nine verses. Um, can, we, can I read the first Please nine do, verses? Please do, yes. Awesome. Um, Acts chapter 9. and he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank.
1: So, what do we get out of this? This is confounding.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I think before we get to uh, us being confounded, we I think we start with Saul was confounded. Yeah. Because he's he's going along on the road. He has <laughs> he has a purpose and a task, and all of a sudden there's a light and a voice. Uh, the people who are with him they don't. They don't have the same experience that he has. They don't hear the voice of Jesus himself, raised from the dead, speaking to to Saul. But they know that something is going on. And the question is asked, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, I don't even know who I'm talking to. Who are you? Uh, Here, I think it's helpful to to remember the word Lord. Uh, We often use it in reference to God or to Jesus, and and rightly so. But it's also... uh, the equivalent of like the English word, sir. And so anybody that you would be talking to can be referenced as Lord. And so he starts out with this, with this general question. I don't even know who I'm talking to. That would be confounding. Uh, If you've ever had a situation where uh, something comes to you and you say, where, where, where's the source of this? How trustworthy is this? And so Saul asks the question and Jesus answered, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. So Saul then uh, gets up and is led into Damascus. But I think that for us, it kind of begs the question of uh, how do we hear Jesus speaking to us? And when we do, how do we react? Uh, and This is where, when, when you get to a Bible study like this, you might not always have the same answer that everybody else has. This isn't kind of a, what what does it mean to me kind of a question, but rather out of my experience of hearing God's word, how do I see this as personally applicable? Uh, and so it's not that the Bible means something different to to different people, but rather we react to it in our own experiences in our own way. And so as you're listening to this, you're going to think, well, there's a lot of things I don't understand about about Peter L. Um, <laughs> this is most certainly true, uh, but there's also a lot of things where we're going to be able to say Scripture is clear, and the way that the way that I hear from Jesus and the way that you hear from Jesus in our experience, it's going to hit us just a little bit differently, and that's okay.
0: So it's more so, what does it mean? for me rather than to me so rather yeah. than how i want it to rather than how i want to interpret it and make it my my own little uh I don't, I don't know make my own understanding of it what does this mean for me in my vocations what does this mean for me in my context I yeah. don't know if what that's what right does word. this mean
2: for me as a as a person with my own experiences as opposed to what it means to somebody else who has different experiences mm-hmm. absolutely
1: yeah well in in our, in our sinful natures uh, we tend to not always like what we're hearing
2: right and and here's a place where <laughs> where Saul has a different experience of God's Word than I have had uh, Jesus has never audibly spoken to me and shown up in a light and struck me uh, and struck me blind that hasn't happened but that does happen to Saul. And so the way that Saul is confounded is different from the way that I am confounded. I hear God's word and and Jesus says to me through my pastor, "You are forgiven." And I think to myself, "Who me? Why would why would God forgive me? I'm well, I'm I'm most definitely a sinner and I leave a lot to be desired. <laughs> what good does Jesus see in me?" And I get confounded. And I, I've often wondered if Saul looked up and said, are you sure you got the right guy? <laughs> uh, but Jesus' words are clear. Yeah, I'm looking for the guy who's persecuting me. And I'm going to make you my, my chosen instrument, as Paul says later in the book of Acts. Uh, and so that's exactly where uh, Jesus calls him in a confounding way, in a way that we don't expect. But that's exactly what Jesus does.
0: Speaking of responding, and I want to keep us moving along oh, wow. for time's sake, uh, because <laughs> you we've know, got a few more questions to get through. So question number two, what is your response to Christ's word of law in this text?
2: When I hear Jesus speak law to me, and when Jesus speaks law here in this text to Saul and by extension to me, uh, it doesn't feel really good. And, and this is something that I think a lot of Christians, including me, really struggle with where we say, oh, my, how does this work that uh, that I end up being under God's word of law? I don't feel good about it, but God's law is a good thing. The law is a gift. But my response is, woe is me, I'm in a lot of trouble. I have done things before God that are not okay. that are not good i am condemned and lost Um, and it brings me ultimately to that to that word of repent turn turn from your sin turn to jesus because it is there in christ that we find our comfort not in myself not in my own ability to improve myself or fix myself or eradicate sin from my life as nice as it would be to do any of that that's not happening what is happening is jesus comes to me and he says you have a problem with sin, and and I agree with Jesus. That, that's what confess means, is to agree. And so I say the same thing that Jesus says. You're right. I do have a problem with my sin, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit bring me to repentance.
0: It's easy to say amen to to good news, to, mm-hmm. to gospel. It's easy to say amen to that. But let us also say amen to... To, to hear the truth from God's word, even when it's difficult to hear, such as the law.
2: And uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To
0: be able to say amen. You know, it, not that it was, it, you know, it makes me think of the Magnificat and Mary's response to that too, is this is something that's going to be difficult, you know, as the message comes to her, it's going to be difficult. But she says,
2: Let it be done to me as as you have said. Yeah.
0: Amen, amen. Yeah. All right, uh, well, let's take uh, this is a good breaking point, um, and we'll pick up with the remaining questions. <laughs> Just a few more when we come back. You're listening to the Coffee Hour. We're taking a look at confounding words, searching the Scriptures in the February issue of the Lutheran Witness with Pastor Peter Hill of Trinity Lutheran Church in Millstadt Illinois. Stick around for more Coffee Hour. I'm Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth. Wow.
0: Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Amy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are looking at searching the scriptures in the February issue of The Lutheran Witness. Uh, if you've got your copy handy, it's on page 25. Uh, it's the Bible study in uh, the issue of uh, the, the regular issue of the Lutheran Witness. Confounding Words is the theme this month. We're studying with Pastor Peter Ill of Trinity Lutheran Church, Millstadt, Illinois. We've made it all the way up to now uh, question number three out of seven.
1: I feel like this is a normal way that Bible studies proceed, though. I mean, like, it takes you an entire hour to get through two verses. So the fact that we've gotten through two questions. There is...
2: are people who get through two verses in an hour? Sometimes. Go them. Sometimes. I like three words. I I get through three words and and I'm done. So we've we've looked at verses,
0: uh, we're in Acts chapter 9. We've looked at verses 1 through 9. Shall we move forward uh, verses 10 through what, 19?
2: Yeah, let's go on with Acts chapter 9 verses 10 through 19. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called straight and at the house of judas look for a man of tarsus named saul for behold he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight but ananias answered lord i have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done in The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened.
0: So you ask in the Bible study here, in confounding words, uh, do you ever think that Jesus might be applying his grace to the wrong (laughs) Person,
2: <laughs> I mean, it's it's the words of Ananias, right? I heard about this guy. He yeah. came, he came with arrest warrants for Christians, uh, and you want me to go baptize him? Do you ever have this idea that that God, I am, I am suffering in my life? Things aren't okay with me, but I know this other person, this person who's, who's not a Christian, who does terrible things. They're doing okay, and I'm suffering. There's cancer in my family, but these other, these other folks, they're just fine and dandy, even though they're criminals and doing terrible things. How does that work? And we begin to wonder, does God know who he's applying his grace to? Does God know who he's being good to? That's Ananias' question. That is, from time to time, my question. Uh, walking out of a hospital room, uh, walking away from a funeral and saying, God, I don't understand why you allow for this terrible thing to happen to this person, to this family. I'm uncomfortable with this. But Jesus speaks to Ananias and, and says to him very clearly, hey, I've got the right guy. Go to this street, go to this house, to this guy who's blind and who has had a vision about a guy named Ananias, your name, because my grace is for him. On those days when we start to wonder, is God's grace for me? Is God's grace good? Is God wasting his grace on people? We hear his word to Ananias. We hear his word to you, to me. To the whole church saying no god's not wasting his grace god is applying his grace exactly where he wants it it's lavish it, it's rich and it seems wasteful to you and to me but for god that is exactly what he is up to that is exactly why god sent his son into the world so that all who believe in him would not perish but have eternal life
0: how does the Holy Spirit strengthen you to speak and act upon the words of Christ, even against your better judgment? <laughs> um,
2: it's a mystery. Um, uh, in hindsight, maybe the better question is uh, to ask, uh, where have you seen the Holy Spirit working in your life to do just these things? Uh, this is not a question I can answer for you, Andy. Um <laughs> because it, it's going to be different for everyone. I remember times when I've gotten to be in a hospital and uh, and somebody will say, hey, will you uh, w- will you give me a blessing? Will you pray for me? And i would say, well, sure, I would love to get to do that. Um, and the Holy Spirit gives me the words and, and somebody might look at me and say, it seems like you've been reading my mind again. And I thought, no, you are <laughs> not reading your mind. Um, if you've talked to a family member or a friend and and you speak to them about the comfort that Jesus brings and then after the fact learn that they're going through a terribly difficult time uh, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of ways that this happens because God works in mysterious ways not necessarily ways that I can answer for you though
0: you like ask my wife i can't read minds
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> try really hard doesn't work <laughs> how does how does god speak to sinners uh, through the church, well, one of and the we're included in that. So. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, we're we're definitely. Well, I won't speak for you, Sarah, but for me, I'm definitely I, in that club. I am too. Um, first and foremost, through through the application of God's word, uh, not only in the reading of Scripture, but in the preaching and teaching of it, where we hear God is called you sinner, even a sinner who comes with arrest warrants for Christians. Um, you sinner who takes the name of god on your lips and then doesn't really live like a christian you sinner are forgiven you sinner are loved by jesus to the point where jesus suffered and died for you so that he can put his name on you he does that through baptism uh where you are called in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit and he even gives you his own body and blood under bread and wine to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of sins and so it is there as God's grace is delivered in church, in conversation with other Christians, and in so much that the church does to simply say, yeah, this is the grace of Jesus for you. If, if Jesus can redeem Saul, he can, he can redeem anybody. <laughs> and that is really, really good news.
0: Amen.
1: Chief of sinners. Shall we move on? All right, let's move on to uh, the rest of the story, Acts 9, uh, 19 through 22.
2: All right, here it goes. For some days, he, once again, that is Saul, was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ.
0: So, your question in this study, how do you react when the words of Christ are confounding
2: I think I think a lot of times we say, "Huh? Wait, check out this guy. He's the guy who came to arrest us and now you're telling me that he's going to talk about Jesus and he's actually going to build us up in faith even though a couple days ago he was going to to tie us up and carry us back to Jerusalem to stand trial." And and we say, "Huh? How is it that God is working here?" And when we see God's will being done just like Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's prayer, we say, I wouldn't have done it that way, but it's okay. In fact, I would argue it's good that Jesus doesn't work the way that I would work or the way that you might work. Instead, it's a really good thing that Jesus comes working through his chosen instrument of Saul, working through whatever chosen instrument he puts before you, saying, You are saved. You are forgiven. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. He is the one who has redeemed you and saved you.
0: We only have a couple minutes left, about, about three minutes left. Uh, but the, the second part of question number five, uh, of number five, do the circumstances of your life determine God's faithfulness to his promises?
2: No, because if it was based on my circumstances, uh, there's no getting out of that. Yeah. Uh, instead, even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of bad days, in the, in the middle of rough things happening, Jesus is still the Christ, and Jesus is still the one who loves me.
1: How does or how do you see the work of the Holy? I skipped a question because Peter, Pastor told me to. Okay. <laughs> how do you see the work of the Holy Spirit bringing you to faith and strengthening your faith through His Word in the baptism and the Lord's Supper? We wanted to get to the good stuff.
2: Exactly. That's why. <laughs> get <laughs> to and, the goods. And <laughs> I jumped true. ahead and answered question number six already. Also that. Uh, but. <laughs> we see the work of the Holy Spirit bringing us to faith in exactly those ways that Jesus has promised, in exactly the ways that scripture has talked about. And so when we hear our pastor preaching and teaching, when we hear the forgiveness of sins applied to us, when we hear about Jesus goodness for us, when we are baptized, when we are communed, we get to say, oh, there it is. God picked me. I don't get why God is working through baptism or through the Lord's Supper. I don't get why God would pick a sinner like me, but it doesn't matter why. It matters that. It matters that Jesus has picked me. It matters that Jesus has called me. It matters that the Holy Spirit has brought me to faith. And that is the confounding word of Acts 9. It doesn't need to make sense to you. Uh, The Jews in Acts 9 were confounded, just like you and I are so often confounded. But at the end of the day, it's because Jesus has called us. Jesus doesn't have to make sense. Jesus simply brings his grace, and that's really, really good news. Amen. (laughs) Amen.
0: Amen. Well, you can check out the uh, February issue of The Lutheran Witness, searching the scriptures on page 25 this month's uh, Bible study written by Pastor Peter Ill of Trinity Lutheran Church in Milstadt, Illinois. And uh, do you have the March issue as well? Is that right, Pastor? Uh, Yes. So so we'll be uh, studying again in about a month. Mm -hmm. Yep. Working Um, on
2: temptation. Temptation.
0: (laughs) Not nearly as confounding, right? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I know how I know how that one works.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much, Pastor for joining us for the coffee hour and uh, for helping us dig into uh, search the scriptures. Thank
2: you so much. Glad to be here.
0: I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth. <laughs>